Welcome back to Season 4 of Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of the Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. We're recording this episode on, and I have to look it up. April 20th. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for the help. April 20th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is the Wednesday after Easter, so we've taken a little bit of a breath in getting this recording going today. This is the second part of a two-part series with Reverend Dr. Eric Spivey, our pinnacle colleague and our good friend. And Eric, as those of you who have listened to the first episode... You will know that Eric is in transition right now, and so he's the perfect person to talk with us about leaving well and starting well in a new ministry setting. Eric is a longtime pastor, before that a resort missionary, which I think is a great title and you know something I wish I could put on my resume somewhere. Eric has pastored churches in Georgia and Florida and now about to begin as a senior pastor in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, Eric has been a Pinnacle associate for several years and really works through Pinnacle as a coach and uh, consultant for churches. And I'm just really grateful for Eric to be sharing some of his wisdom with us. Yeah, me too. He has already recorded the first part of this two-part series. And so if you're in transition and, and looking at leaving well before you begin well, you may check out the previous episode, but this episode is dedicated to kind of beginning a new call and beginning well. Eric, true to form with his character that we know about him, uh, left us with some really great insight on the last episode that um, at the end of the day, you want to leave uh, with kindness and generosity. And uh, that just kind of speaks to who Eric is and I'm sure has been true for him whenever he's left a situation, a ministry call. And now today we get to learn what is on Eric's mind as he shifts his attention to beginning well in his new call, uh, Vestavia Hills Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. So let's welcome once again to the pod, Reverend Dr. Eric Spivey. great to be with everyone again. Thanks for letting me share the second part of uh, these transitions. Yeah, would you add anything to the introduction that we gave or just tell people to listen to the first uh, part of the ep- podcast? I, I, I think uh, the, the, whatever the episode before here was really good. <laughs> you need to go back and listen. Rhonda and David did an excellent job. And so we look forward to, uh, to sharing um, the, the second part of transition, which is trying to uh, start well. So just to kind of recap a little bit, like David said, you're in transition. Uh, You're moving between uh, calls in Florida and Alabama. You started your new call this past Sunday on Easter Sunday, but right now you're back in Florida because you're moving. So tell us, how how are you feeling? How are you doing, Eric? Better you than me. (laughs) I know. Yes, we've had that conversation. So we, we, um, in, in this particular situation, we... Ended on um, Palm Sunday. I flew up to Birmingham on um, Monday, Thursday, and celebrated Holy Week with my new congregation. Um, we stayed through Monday night so that my wife could do some interviews for a new job. She's a teacher, and for my mom, um, for me to help trying to find a new assisted living for my mom. 
And so I got back Tuesday morning and felt overwhelmed about all of the different things that I had to do over the next 10 days to, for myself to move to Birmingham. Um, and we we're going to be moving in transitions. So I move at the end of April. My mom will move her at the middle of May. Um, at the end of May, 1st of June, we will move my wife and all of our stuff. Uh, so all of our stuff will move into storage. We'll have a chance to stay in a missionary house for a few months while we look for a house. And so we'll officially move after my wife is um, her, her teaching uh, year this year. So she's a fifth grade teacher. So um, I'm not quite as overwhelmed as I was yesterday. Um, I've gotten, gotten some more plans and those kind of things. Um, uh, so I know, you know, what day I'm getting the, the moving van and I've got some guys to help me load and um, all of those different kind of parts have come together. So I'm feeling a little bit better today. So what you're saying is that the leaving well and the beginning well and all of the, the professional aspects of that and all of the personal aspects of that are just sort of jumbled together, right? Yes. I mean, it is just this um, soup of being in one place, really being in two places at the same time and all of the things going on in your own personal life and those kind of things. Um, you know, I, I talked a little bit in the first in the first episode about um, how I said goodbye um, in Gainesville, especially the, the importance of those first few days of being able to tell the church here um, how, you know, why I was leaving, where I was going and being able to tell that story. But that also was the very beginning. Once we left Vestavia on our call weekend, we had to come back and and to begin to work through that. But you're now you're now living in two different places. And so we do a couple of things both in that first week, I think, that were important. One, on a personal level, and two, on a on a, on a professional level. One is on a personal level, my wife and I, we've, we did this um, in our last move as well. We go, to, um, in, we go to Waffle House on an evening after school, and we bring a physical calendar, and we sit down and we map out all of the dates over the next several months that relate to every, every, both about both churches, about our personal um, transition plans and all of that. So that both of us kind of have an idea of what's about to take place. And part of that for us on a, a professional level was we needed to tell them when we're moving, when the first, you know, when our first day is going to be there, you know, um, um, and kind of work out all those details. And so this, we're, what I'm living in now, you know, have gone to Vestavia uh, over Easter and coming back and, and transitioning um, over the next 10 days to Birmingham and then starting there on May the 1st. All that was worked out over that time at Waffle House of trying to figure out how, how we could get everything to work. Um, and then the other thing we do on that as I began, and I, I've done, I did this moving to Gainesville and I've done it here, which has been really, really helpful, um, is I communicate to my new church um, I give them all of my contact information. I give them all of my social media contacts. I give them my cell phone number. I give them my um, personal email. And I invite them to introduce themselves to me and to make it fun. And I, I, I you know, I send a video of yourself, send a funny, send a, an introductory email, send a picture, you know, friend me on social media. And um, that has been one of the best ways for me to begin to stay connected to my new church while I'm, while I'm saying goodbye to my old church. 
Um, it's, it doesn't take a lot from me. I just, I, I hear it. I read it. I kind of get to know folks a little bit. I'll say thank you for the email. I'm not, I'm not trying to be, I'm not their pastor yet. Everybody um, is, there's, there's still, you know, there's still lots of things going on at, at the new church that I'm not there. Um, but it does really help me begin those pastoral relationships early. Um, so when I showed up this weekend to, um, uh, for East, for Holy Week and, and, and Easter, um, I, you know, people were coming by and I, I knew more about them now. I knew a little bit more of their story. I knew, you know, uh, I knew their faces a little bit better. They had seen, you know, my wife and I took a trip to Paris as a part of our 30th anniversary in the middle of all of all of this craziness. And so they all had watched many of them who were on social media had seen our pictures. And so they had learned about us and I've gotten a chance to learn about them on their social media accounts. And so it's done a really nice job of of just sort of getting to know one another and giving them a chance to get to know me. And um, that's that's been a really helpful. I just thought about that when I was moving to Gainesville and, and I've done it again here and it's been really helpful. I love that. That's a great idea. And it sounds playful and, and people could kind of let you know what they want you to know before you ever really kind of step foot on your first day. That's awesome. Exactly. I, I love how you've been talking about your transition in terms, you, you use we a lot, I think referring to you and your and your wife. And you talked about how you sat down at Waffle House, big spender, by the way. Wow. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it very much affects your family, you know, the people that live in your household, um, especially your spouse. And how do you make sure your spouse is doing okay as as the call is primarily yours, but your spouse, your family is completely affected by every decision you make by way of your vocational landing? I'm very aware, and we've known this with my wife and I. I mean, this we, we have a sense of both of us having a sense of calling, and we both live out our sense of calling, and that has impacted all of our, our life and ministry. And um, uh, her, her, her calling is as a teacher. And, um, you know, so when we entered into the process with the church in Alabama, uh, we both entered it together, both both of us acknowledging what what this meant. It was, it was a significance with the church, even with and it was a significance with our family as well. Our daughter lives in Birmingham. So the opportunity to live close to her was was built into this as well. And so um, so part of that was just, you know, it was it was all of us together in that having that conversation. And um and 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 in and in the and in the discernment process too, um, that was also a part of that. Um, but it also is the, um, knowledge that when I move, it means that she's going to have to get a new job and that, and, and when we moved to Georgia, it was really hard. She left a really great job in South Carolina and we moved in the middle of the recession and it took her two years to find a teaching job. And that, that was just, it, it had so much, it was just so hard. Um, we rested though on the knowledge that God had us there for a reason and with our kids and, and it was all, everything else was good. And ultimately God, it was a really great opportunity that came her way there, but it was really hard. Um, same thing here. And so I recognize that how hard it is for her in making those, in making those, um, those sacrifices of, of leaving a, a, a place of work that she enjoys and coworkers that she enjoys. And even though she, um, it's still going to be teaching. It's still in a different place. And so we've tried to to just sort of help one another through that process. Gratefully, um, 
um, she was, um, as of today, we think she has a job um, in a really great school and she's very, and she's very excited, but the, you know, the past uh, month um, has been a little nerve wracking. She's, you know, her, her, the anxiety of, am I going to find a job? Will I like it? Will it be, you know, you know, it's all still there. And so we're both having to live in those pieces. Um, it, it is just as hard, I think, you know, working with your kids. Um, when we moved to um, Georgia, our, our oldest was in eighth grade and our youngest was, was going into fourth and eighth grade. And um, that was a lot harder in that transition of, of saying um, what is what, it, you know, of helping them to understand what the sense of calling is, why we would move, what that means for them. Um, our, our famous stories when we told our kids who were moving to Georgia, our youngest said, uh, that she's not moving and she's going to duct tape herself to the wall and she's not going anywhere. And, um, you know, and we finally said, no, you, you, your family's going, you're going to have to figure this out. And, um, and it became a really great place to raise our kids and family. And we had a great experience there, but you know, um, how we go about, um, how we've gone about our move has been impacted by where we are in our life circumstance. When we were in Georgia, um, it was really important that we find a house. And so we went and we brought our kids to um, to just visit um, where we were moving. We went looking for a house and uh, we found a house and we and we were able to negotiate, able to move into the house and rent it to, to our house in Georgia sell, sold. And so it was only one move. We, we left Georgia. We moved straight into this house and we never moved. Um, and that was really, really important for us. Um, we moved here. Um, you know, our kids were in transition and moving, graduating from high school and college. And so we had a little bit of flexibility. So we moved, um, we moved out, we moved into an apartment because um, I was here about three months before my wife moved. And so I moved into an apartment and we had an apartment for about a year. And so we, it was a whole variety of where to move stuff and where stuff was going to go. And, you know, in this, in the same kind of idea here, we're going to stay a little bit longer in this missionary house in, 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 in Birmingham. And so it's having to put, stuff in now storage units and or in, in pods and trying to coordinate how to do that. And even when people are helping pay for it, it's still logistically how to what's the best way for your stuff to get from one place to the other. And for me, coming up with a plan for how to do that is is just vital because then I, I, if I have a plan, I can make it work. It's when I don't know it that I feel like I did yesterday, overwhelmed and like what's how am I going to do this and where do I need to be today and what do I need to get done today? Cause there's always, it's just a lot of heavy lifting just to make the move itself. So obviously you're talking about a lot of moving pieces and being overwhelmed just seems like the natural feeling to have in the midst of that. Yes. And the transition time, that liminal space in between one place and the next is going to last a little while. And, uh, I, I just wonder, there was a pinnacle message string going around on Sunday afternoon this past week, Easter Sunday, where people were talking about their post Easter sermon naps. And, uh, I, I know you weren't quite able given all these other things going on to, to, to have that sort of downtime. And so what does caring for yourself um, what does caring for your family look like in the midst of the transition? Well, I mean, there's a couple of pieces to that. Um, you know, uh, one is, uh, I told you about a, a trip to Paris. 
and we had made my wife and I, my, my daughter studying in Paris this semester. Uh, we had made a plans about six months ago that we were going to go. Neither one of us had been. And uh, one was uh, both churches had to rethink what they wanted based on my trip to Paris. And I said, this trip to Paris is valuable to my wife and me and to my family. And that's going and that. And, and so everything, our call weekend, the dates that I left our door, our, um, um, that I was going to say goodbye to my church in, in Florida, all of that was shaped by that particular trip. And so as much as I wanted to be in, in Vestavia and, in, in all of that, um, we had to work around that trip. And so that boundary, I thought, was um, was important to us. And I think it, it communicated to the church that my relationship with my wife is valuable and we're going to that and we're not going to give that up just to make a just to make a move. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I talked about being kind and generous. I mean, um, my church in, in Florida really wanted me to stay as long as I could. And so I stayed through April, you know, through April the 10th, through Palm Sunday and the church in um and Alabama really wanted me to start on Easter. And so, but I knew that I couldn't do any kind of move before then. And so we, we had this whole plan where we would come up for the weekend and, and be there, but also have a chance to, to take a, a little bit of a break to come in and make the transition. So this weekend, you know, we're going to take a, uh, a weekend for ourselves before we make the move before I'm, you know, we're, my wife and I are separated for a month or so um, and those kind of things. And so there's a little bit of, I was a little facetious on our um, pinnacle part of saying no naps till next next year. Because there is both like a lot of work, but it, you can still work out some good self-care and making sure you're doing good boundaries for yourself and for your family. I know when I was making the transition here to my current church, I picked up a little book somewhere. I think it was a free, maybe not free, but an, an ebook about your first 90 days in your call. And um you know, I didn't follow it to a T, but it did have some good tips. I wonder what tips you have. Do you have any resources or any other ideas besides, you know, inviting your new congregation to send you emails or uh, friend you on social, that kind of thing? I think I picked up the same book. I went to look at it today and I realized I'd gotten it last, you know, three years ago. It's called Your Best Move, Effective Leadership Transition in the Local Church by um, Kaler. So, uh, and, but it is a, is a nice little um, ebook there. But um, I think there are a couple of pieces. One is, um, you know, we've already started working with my staff before, during, you know, during the interim. I've been working pretty much about once a week, working, um, having a Zoom call with my um, uh, administration, pa- administrative pastor in, in Vestavia. I'm just talking about details. And part of that's just, you know, getting to know um, the uh, the second, the, the ministerial staff, as well as the support staff that goes along with that. Um, you know, a big part about transitions too, is that, and, you know, we did this even before the call weekend is I met with our, with our, um, ministerial staff before the, before, um, um, not just before the call weekend, it was, it was during one of my visits, during one of my final um, um, interview weekends, I met with our staff because a lot of staff you bring in anxiety. You don't know who they're you don't know who they're going to bring in, and so a lot of when you're moving into a new church is trying to reduce their anxiety as much as you can. Um, and so we try to do that with the staff, trying to get to know them, trying to get them to know who I am, trying to let them say. Um, hear who you are and kind of what kind of leadership you're going to have and what you want for them. Um, I think other parts of that 
are, um, you know, just sitting down and listening to people. What, what, you know, I did this in both in Gainesville and as well as what we're doing now in, um, in Birmingham, which is I tell our staff, what brings you joy? What is it that what is it that you most love about your job and your and your ministry and what brings you joy and how can we help do that more? How can I how can I as the pastor release you in your ministry so that you're doing so that you are doing the things that you're really the best at that you give a lot of joy to and that I think like if you're if you're leading and ministering with joy you're going to the church as a whole is going to get better and stronger and so how do I help to do that? Um, in Gainesville we had to spend a good bit of time in the first. Um, um, first six months, really looking at um, positions that we had to hire and, rec- and, and thinking about job um, job descriptions and all those kind of things. We won't do that as much um, in Birmingham, but um, so trying to help just kind of reduce anxiety, have a sense of who we are, listening to listening to staff, I think is really important. Um, you know, one of the things that I use just a that I'm not sure if Rhonda, if you use this in your church, but the thing that I've brought to all of my churches over the past um, now and past three terms is uh, utilizing the the um, work platform Slack. Um, it is it has changed how I do ministry. I can't. I don't think. I don't know how you do it without it anymore. Um, but it's a, a work platform, kind of cross between texting and email, and uh, it just makes all the world. And so I've introduced it here in Gainesville, um, brought it in, in, in Cornelia and introducing it now in Gainesville, I mean, in, um, in Birmingham. And uh, it's just a game changer for logistics and communication and helping people do the work that we do. And so, so part of that is just thinking about the logistics. How can we get more efficient at what we do? How can we do it better? Um, those kind of things. And then um, just finally, I think the, the, my main focus moving into my new role is becoming pastor um, to the church. So one of the places of anxiety, I think, in moving into a new church uh, for its members is, especially in, our, in, in the older or senior adults member of the church, is, will this person who's my new pastor know me when they come to do my funeral? And so that's a huge anxiety of, of just trying to figure out who the new pastor is. And so I do a couple of things to help do that. One is um, I asked I ask our each each congregation to give me a list of um, kind of its oldest members, you know, kind of from the top down to about eighty five or so, and those are the first people that I that I visit and get to know, and I'll make conscious comp, um, work to make sure that in my first um, uh, thirty to forty days that I'm I'm in their home, um, getting to know them. Um, I every time I leave one of the home, I'll make a um, uh, a voice memo on my phone and I will just, they'll, they'll tell me their story and then I'll just, um, record it myself, um, kind of back to myself so that, um, whatever, if, if they pass away anytime over, you know, I'll go back to that story. And usually after I've been there for a while, I'll know more of the story, know their families and those kind those kind of things. And I don't, I don't need that as much, but I found it really helpful to, you know, to hear to hear their story, whether it's their love story between them and their spouse who passed away, or whether it's information about what they used to do when they were um, working, um, or who their family is. Those are the, that's some practical things that I've done to help to do that. Um, and then I, the other thing I've done both in Gainesville and I'm doing it here in in, um, in Birmingham is I let our church know that my first task is to become their pastor, and I say, um, 
I want you to get to, I want you to show me, introduce me to yourself and your family and to your, the things about the town. And so when I moved to Gainesville, I had, I had guys take me to um, their, their big Florida baseball fans. So I went, I went to baseball games. Uh, They took me to their favorite restaurants. They took me, you know, and so it was just a great way to kind of get to know people and their story. And we'll do something similar to that in Birmingham. It'll just take a lot longer and, um, and we'll use it um, maybe some small, some smaller groups as well of some, of some Bible study groups getting together of just as many ways that I can hear people's lives and their stories and become their pastor um, is just vital. And, um, and, then, um, and then focusing on the, th- you know, in the midst of the transition, the midst of the move, working hard to just make sure we're doing well in worship, um, doing well, that I'm, that I'm doing those tasks uh, really, really well um, is just, I think, key also. When it comes to kind of looking ahead, you're right here at the cusp of beginning with Vestavia Hills. Are there certain milestones or are there there things that you're going to going to look at, say, a month from now, three months from now, six months from now, that that when you hit those markers, what's going to let you know, hey, things are going well, We, we are starting well. Um, you know, what does that look like three months from now or, or whatever marker you want to insert? I I think I like to look for wins, things that are giving energy to the church. Um, what are some, what are some small, um, what are some small things that we can do that can, that can feel like a win for the new church that, that gives energy, um, whether it's a, an event or whether it's a, you know, a, are cleaning things up when we moved to Gainesville, no one could hear in the sanctuary. And I, you know, that was from the, my, the first month I kept hearing, I'd getting, you know, people and, and a lot of our senior adults kept thinking that their hearing was going bad. And finally I had someone, we, we had someone come in and look and we, we got new microphones and did all of these different kind of things. And finally had someone come in and realize that about a year before all of the main speakers in the building have in the, in the um, sanctuary, except for the monitors have been blown. And the reason they couldn't hear is because the speak, because the sound system wasn't working correctly. And so it was just about trying to fix, you know, those little pieces. And so all of a sudden people could hear and it's like, Oh wait, now I can, you know, so, you know, so some of that is, is, is like, there's always something left over from the former pastor and during the transition. And so what are, what are some things that you can do that will just help the church um, get stronger with your new, with your presence. And sometimes it's logistical, like it's a sound system. Sometimes it might be um, a little bit more um, organizational, cleaning some things up, looking at, you know, cause ever, ever, you know, whoever's there, they've been holding things back till the new pastor gets there. And so if you can begin to address some of those to, to help get some wins, to help clean some things up, um, to help the church get a, just a stronger, I think it, it assists you in the long term in that, in your ministry. I did a fresh coat of paint in a main room, uh, in my first year here at this church. And that was a huge win. All it was, was just some paint. Didn't they? (laughs) The people, the people notice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Paint for sure. I'm afraid that, you know, if I fix the speaker, somebody might say, Hey, we liked it better before. (laughs) (laughs) No, not with your sermons, David. They want more, more. (laughs) 
Well, um, Eric, I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of a crazy, crazy, uh, busy uh, liminal space that you find yourself in to take time to join us to maybe help some other pastors out there who are going through a similar process. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your wisdom and insights with us on Pastor Life Podcast. I'm so grateful for the work that you all do for pastors around the country. It's a great podcast, and um, I'm grateful to be a part of it in the work with you all with Pinnacle and the great work that Pinnacle does. Well, God bless you, Eric, and your transition. And uh, I know Vestavia Hills will be so glad to have you as their pastor once you kind of get settled in there. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. You can find contact information for Rhonda, for me, and for Eric, as well as the session notes for this episode at pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com. A few years ago, I read a book called This Odd and Wondrous Calling. So I leave you with these words. May you go forth enjoying the heck out of this odd and wondrous calling. <laughs>